Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. You know, with everything going on, some of our more distant viewers of the podcast and of our YouTube channel have been emailing me with support and stuff from uh, from Norway to Australia uh, to uh, different places in Canada and all across the United States and other other countries throughout the world as well. Uh, we've been getting various notes from the UK. Uh, what a blessing it is. Amen. Uh, I want to let you know we're very blessed today to have Rabbi Jeff Adler. It's interesting. I wasn't supposed to be here today. I was supposed to be in Israel, uh, but uh, but my flight was canceled. I think you understand why. So it's a blessing for me to get to be able to hear Rabbi Jeff, even though I miss being in Israel. Rabbi Jeff Adler uh, comes from a family with five generations uh, of Messianic Jews, uh, and interestingly, one of them is our B'nai Mitzvah director, Dr. Stephanie, who is uh, Rabbi Jeff's niece. Uh, and so Rabbi Jeff leads a congregation in Indianapolis, Indiana, called Sha'arei Yeshua. Uh, he, yes, he also has his Masters of Divinity, uh, and, uh, and he is also a known teacher within the Messianic Jewish movement. He's on the board of the International Alliance of Messianic Congregations and Synagogues. That's the synagogal organization that has the most congregations under it in the Messianic Jewish movement. He is on the, the board of that. Uh, and, uh, and he is just somebody who I really look to, to to learn from. He's somebody that I love, uh, and, uh, and so I hope he's a blessing to all of you. You singles are going to be so blessed today. What I would encourage you is that Rabbi Jeff, man, I tell you what, he knows his word, you just need to tune in and listen to the to the words that he says. I know the Lord will speak to you. Let's welcome Rabbi Jeff Adler. Thank you. Boy, with all those nice words, I'd like to meet that guy, whoever it is. <laughs> so anyway, let's pray. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, thank you that we can be in your house with your people. Lord God, people are not really here to listen to me, Father. We're here to listen to you. And Lord God, we really need to hear from you. Lord, at all times we do, but we do particularly now in, the, in these days. And so we ask you to put your words into my mouth and cause us to have open ears and minds and hearts to be receptive to what you have to say to us. We pray this, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Please turn to probably what I would probably is a very familiar uh, chapter for you. Please turn to Ezekiel, Yechezkiel, Ezekiel chapter 37. This is the famous vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. And here the prophet is going through 
a time of crisis and very, a very dark time. He was going through a very dark time. And so, um, and, and against that backdrop, one of the things that I love about the prophets is that, um, you know, they often had very heavy, very dark words to, to speak. And so there were times when I, I think the Spirit of God just gave them uh, like a light, a, 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 a statement of light, a ray of light against that darkness to encourage them. It says, they're saying that these dark words that you are describing are not the end of the story, and that uh, I have I have better plans, and and uh, and 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 the like, like Isaiah, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah prophesies, and he he foretells a day when Babylon is going to come and 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 dra- dra- drag down the walls of of Jerusalem, and uh, Ezekiel actually lived to see that day, but. But God said, it will come about, told Isaiah, it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be raised above the mountains and exalted above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it, will flow to it. And the, and, and the nations will say, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The Torah will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and the, resulting in the nations beating their swords into plowshares and Israel, Jerusalem will host an open house like the world has never ever seen, um, and and so, uh, but at the time that Ezekiel lives, and Ezekiel, Daniel, Jeremiah were basically contemporaries, and so they lived to see the fulfillment of those dark days, and so, and so here he 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 uh, walks around. The Spirit of the Lord talks to him. Says the hand of Adonai. Was upon me, and the Ruach Adonai, or the Spirit of the Lord, carried me out and set me down in the middle of the valley. Now we don't know what valley it was. It actually does not matter what valley it was, um, but there, there, there was a valley, and a lot of the valleys are surrounded by cliffs on both sides, and and so very often there was a shadow that was cast. And uh, I, I, Isaiah in Isaiah nine prophesies, and he, he says, the people that walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in Eretz Salmavet, Eretz Salmavet, the land of the shadow of death, the, upon them will the light shine. And that death, death casts a shadow over all of us. Um, and, you know, shadows can be scary things. But one of the things that's fascinating about a shadow is the farther you are from the light, the the greater the the, the a shadow. But the closer you get to the light, the smaller the shadow. Until when the shadow, when the light is directly o- overhead, the shadow's gone. And and so then in that context, God prophesied the Messiah who would come. And to us a child is born, and to us a son is gifted in the government. Will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Pele Yoetz El Gibor Aviad Sar Shalom, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so God keeps forecasting, no matter how dark the times, that there's always that coming light. And so here He says, He He says, the Lord took me down and and set me down in the in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones, atzmot. 
one of the things that one of the things that 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 that's that's fascinating Israeli Independence Day is called what Yom HaAtzmaut. Where do you think the word Atzmaut came from? It's the day of the bones. It is the day that the bones. It's drawn from this chapter. It is that that. Here there are these bones, and it looked like not, Israel was nothing left but bones. And then, and so God is addressing that here. And so it was full of bones. And, and, he, and he says, Behold, there were very many on the floor of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. There was no sign of life. And so to be sure, he said to me, he walked around. He walked all around. He led me all around, Saviv, Saviv. It is uh, it's around and around and around, very much like when there's been a disaster, like an earthquake or a, or a typhoon. Some of these, some of these great disasters, people walk and they, they they pour through the rubble, seeing if there's any sign of life. And so he's he walks around, Saviv, Saviv, round and round and round, wondering. Is there any sign of life here? But the bones are scattered. They're on the floor of the valley. You can't tell anything about, you know, even, even though there are some CSI groups around that, you know, they can they, they could scratch a off and they can tell you everything, what this guy ate for breakfast every day and so on. But, but, but as Ezekiel walked around, there was so much death and destruction on the floor of the valley, it was impossible to tell anything about, about the, these people. Were they rich? Were they poor? Were they tall, short? Were they young, old, women, men? Were they children? Were they, were they old? Couldn't tell a thing about them. And it just seemed like, like they were eradicated and there would be no memory of them. Matter of fact, this past Tuesday night in our, our our Bible study, we looked at the 83rd Psalm, and these people went about and they said, "Let them not, let them not be remembered any longer." And there have been statements by enemies of Israel: "Let's drive them into the sea. Let there be no more remember, no more remembrance of them." But goodness is, God has another agenda. And so, behold, there were very many, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, interesting thing, son of man, Ben-Adam, and most versions, including ours, I, I, I was part of the team with the TLV, and, but most versions say, can these bones live? Son of man, can these bones live? The verb to be able is not in the text. Literally, he says, he, he says, Hatich Yena Ha'atzmot Can't do these bones live? It's the imperfect tense. And, and so, are they living? Is there life in these bones? And it looks ridiculous. I mean, he looks around, he's walked around and around and around and around and seen no sign of life. Nothing is left. There's nothing breathing. There's nothing stirring on the entire floor of the valley but himself and the Lord. And so he says, son of man, do these bones live? And his response was, he, so here was a man who'd seen Jerusalem. He was, one, he was, he was a part of one of the early 
waves of exiles from Jerusalem to Babylon. And he, and he thought he would never see foreign troops enter the city of David, the city of Solomon. Hezekiah reigned from there. This was the city where Isaiah had walked the streets. And he never thought he would ever see foreign troops come into Jerusalem. And it was very hard to think that anything could change about that. It was such a traumatic event. But at the same time, here was a man who experienced the presence of God in spectacular, supernatural ways. If you read the pages of his book, you will know that. You will see that. And he couldn't say no. So he said, he said Oh Lord God, Yadata, you know. And the word Yada means more than just cognitive data stored up here. It means to know experientially. That's why that's the verb. It says, so-and-so knew his wife and she conceived a child. Obviously, they were more than casually acquainted. And so it, was, it, it, it is experiential, relational knowledge. And the word occurs in the perfect tense. But the, the, the perfect tense sees the action of the verb as one point on a timeline, making it very decisive. So what he says is, Lord, you really experientially know. Lord, you feel the, you feel the life of, of Zion coming back. You know it, O oh God. Lord, it's not just a pipe dream. It is reality. You know it, O oh God. And because you know it, it is reality. It is real. It is alive. It is living history. Lord God, you know. So he answered, he said, prophesy, hinave. One of the things that's fascinating about the, about the use of the verb to prophesy is that it occurs, and I don't want to be too technical here, but I think this is important to point out. It's in what's called the nephal stem, and the nephal stem is the passive voice. Some of you remember English class when, they, when the, the, the a teacher drove home, active versus passive. Active, I sit in the chair. Passive, I, the chair was sat in by me. <laughs> and so God says, prophesy, but it's in the nephal stem, the passive voice. And, what, and the reason that is, is because, is because God wants, God knew that down the road, there would be skeptical so-called scholars who would say that the prophets just kind of had wishful thinking, and they would whip themselves up into some kind of ecstatic state, and then they would just write down, they would just, they would just predict what they wanted to take place. But God anticipated what they were going to do, and so he put it in the, in the, active, in the passive voice, and so the sense is, be prophesied. In other words, the words that follow and the words that proceed from the pen of this prophet are not his own wishful thinking. It's not pie in the sky. It is not the opium of, 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 of the people. God, God is speaking to him, and he's on the, the prophet is on the receiving end. And so he says, prophesy. He says, prophesy or be prophesied. Prophesy over these bones, he said, and say to them, dry bones, hear the word, devar Adonai, hear the word of the Lord. And that term is used, Zechariah. 
Zachariah, the 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 the, uh, the the prince Zerubbabel. He's he's got to rebuild a country, and he doesn't have nearly what he needs to build a country by most accounts. He didn't have enough money, didn't have enough personnel, didn't have enough influence at court. How was he going to build a country with fewer than 50,000 people who came back? And the Lord says, hear the word of the Lord. Lova chayil, not by might, but lova v'koach, not by physical strength, ki'im bruchi, but by my spirit, amar adonai says, by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And God, when we are discouraged, when we are frightened, the most important thing is to once again hear the word of the Lord. Abraham and Sarah were trusting in God for years and years and years for that baby, for that child that God had, had promised them. And they'd waited and they'd waited and they waited and so much time was passing. Was it ever going to take place? And in the 15th chapter, here he is discouraged again or struggling with that. And God, God gives him the promise one more time, at least the third time, probably more, but it's the third time that's stated. And the statement is made, and Avram believed, not just God, it says, but Elohim, in God. He believed in the person, not just the words. He knew the person who backed up the words. And Avram believed in God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and his life turned on that dime. And so we need to hear the word of the Lord. We need to hear the word of the Lord more than we hear CNN or Fox News or NBC or CBS or anybody else. Even ourselves, even those of us who believe in the words of God, that, well, that does not replace hearing God's word, hearing it from his own lips, hearing from Rabbi Kevin, hearing from me. We do our best to make sure that what we proclaim is consistent with, what, with God's word. But you need to spend time hearing it from God's own mouth and his prophet's own pens. And so God says, Hear, O oh, oh dry bones, hear the word of Adonai. Thus says Adonai Elohim to these bones, Behold, I will cause ruach to enter you. So, chayitem, you will live. And again, the perfect tense. You will really live. There's no question about it. There's no doubt about it. You will live. I will attach tendons to you, bring flesh on you, and cover you with skin. Then I will put breath in you. You will live, chayitem, again, and you will know. You will know, yadatem. You will know, again, you will know. You will know experientially. It's not just, oh, pipe dreams someday, someday. It's, you got to know it's the reality because God said it. That makes it real. That makes it true. You will know that I am the Lord, that I am Adonai. Our people need to know that he is Adonai, that he is the Lord, not just a doctrine, not just an idea, not just tradition, not just a practice. They need to know 
the reality of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God who brought our forefathers out of the land of Egypt and knocked down the walls of Jericho and gave us water from the rock and manna out of thin air. You will know that I am Adonai. So I prophesied, or I was prophesied, you could say, just as I was commanded. As I prophesied, there was a noise. There was a voice. It's a little, little hard to understand the word. There was, when, when we were translating the TLV, one of the things, one of the one of the things we 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 grasped and we 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 established that there's there's a semantic range with words, and that words have a range, and so this word could be voice or sound, uh, but there, there there was a voice and there was a shaking or an earthquake, then the bones came together bone to its bone, and I wish Steven Spielberg were there with a camera to film this because it was a sight. He was standing on these on this pile of bones, and all of a sudden he's struggling to keep his balance, and bones start flying around, and, 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 and hip bones are flying across, and shoulder bones, and, and it, they're all starting to join, join to, to, together. And, and their, their joints come, come, come coming together and, and, and muscles are, are, are forming. And the part that I'm impressed, their hair came on them and, 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 and they, they, they were there and, 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 and it all came together, but there was no breath in them. There was form, but no life. And God's, you know, uh, it was, it's a miracle that our people still still live, and and Frederick the Great, the king of Prussia, considered himself a great skeptic, and he was proud of it. And he used to try. He used to taunt his his court chaplain, and he 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 liked to ask him tough questions. And so one day he asked him. He said, "Give me one evidence that there's a God." And the the chaplain thought for a moment, and he said, "The Jewish people." And Frederick couldn't say a word because he knew it was true because, because we, by all rights, should have been annihilated and destroyed, but God has preserved. He's, he's stood by his promise to Abraham, his promise to Isaac, his promise to Jacob, and that Jerusalem and Israel and the, and the Jewish people are an eternal, infinite witness to the faithfulness of God. But God wants us to have more than form. He wants us to have life. And that life comes from the Spirit of the Lord. And so God, but good news is God's not finished. So he said, then he said to me, prophesy, Hinave. There it is again. Prophesy or be prophesied. Prophesy to the Ruach, to the breath, the wind, the spirit. Prophesy, Son of Man, and say to the Ruach, thus says Adonai Elohim, come from the four winds, Ruach and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. So, and the Ruach came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet. Chayil gadol ma'od ma'od. A very, very great army. And the amazing thing, I mean, think of this scene. Here he is. This man has been walking around. He's been struggling with despair. What has happened to my people? Will we ever be a nation again? What about the promises God made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? 
Is it all just some great fantasy, some great dream that, that started off with its promise and fell apart like seems like all the dreams of mankind fall apart because man's character can't follow through to the dreams and the aspirations of God. I am so glad that God has a plan for me and a plan for you too that goes beyond the frailties of my character. Do you know that God promises one day he says, when we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What an amazing statement that is. My security is not dependent on my character, because my character can't carry the, can't carry the water. My security is dependent on the character of God that God sent his Messiah. He made a promise. He knew all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Isaiah said all of our righteousnesses are as what? Filthy rags. But he promised a Messiah who would come and he would die. He would be wounded me, Peshayenu. Peshah is the strongest word for sin in the Bible. It, it is defiance. It means I shake, I know what's right, I know what's wrong. I shake my fist in God's face and say, I know what's right, I know what's wrong. I'm not going to do what's right. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do what's wrong. There were no sacrifices for those, for those sins under the Torah. The, the sacrifices of the Torah are are. are, are Qualified, if a man sinned by ignorance, let him bring this sacrifice or that one. But God gave a hint in the 103rd Psalm, verse 12, that he had a plan even for those, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed Peshainu, our rebellions, from us. And in Isaiah 53, verse 5, he, the Messiah, Eved Adonai, the servant of the Lord, he will be wounded me peshayenu for our rebellions. He'll be crushed for our guilts. The punishment that will lead to our shalom will fall upon him, and by his stripes we will be healed. And though all we like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way, Adonai will lay on him the iniquity of us all. And it goes on in verse 10, it's great, you know, we can never read the 53rd chapter of Isaiah enough times. But verse 10 says that Messiah will be offered, he will offer himself as an asham, a guilt offering. That was a specific sacrifice that covered not just the principle of the debt, but the damages as well. Because, because when, 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 when a person brought an asham, a guilt offering, that's the, tech, tech, the technical term for the, the guilt offering on, under the Torah, um, he not only when 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 a person violated the, the the Torah calling for that sacrifice, he had to pay not only the principal of the debt but damages as well. The very least could, would be twenty percent, fifth part. If I stole your sheep, I would have to pay you back. I'm sure you've you've I'm sure you you've got a sheep grazing in the backyard, right? Um, uh, I would have to have to pay pay you back. 
four sheep. I have to replace the one I stole. The damages were three hundred per percent. If I stole stole your 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 your, your ox, you you've got an ox in the front yard, right? That's right. Um, it's it is not the ox of the apostles either. Um, but uh, I have to pay you back five oxen. Have to replace the one I stole plus damages of four hundred percent, and that establishes the idea that not only the the reason we have to spend eternity in the lake of fire for sin is because not only do we have to pay back the principle of the sin debt, but the damages as well. And until they're addressed, it's like credit card debt on steroids. They keep spiraling up and up and up, and there's no way for us for uh, uh, us to pay them. The amazing thing is that Messiah that God specifically chose the Asham as the sacrifice to, to be described uh, as being fulfilled by, by Messiah um, because he paid the principle and the debt for our sin. And since he was only going to die once, he had to build into that action enough atonement to cover every contingency. And so while it would take me eternity in the lake of fire to try to pay my own debt, and because eternity never ends, I would never get out. Messiah paid the entire debt, principled and damages, in one fell swoop for every man, woman, and child who has ever, does, or ever will walk on the face of the earth. All we have to do is what, what, is what the person who brought a sacrifice in Bible times did, put our hands on the head as if to say, the guilt is mine, the punishment is due me, God in his mercy has provided a substitute in my place, and I accept it. And, and, that, and that, that's good news. If I spend this much time here, we'll be here till all night. So I better, I better move on. They stood on their feet, a vast army. Moments before, they'd been nothing but scattered, dead, dry bones with no sign of life. And then they had hair, and then they had skin and muscle and form. But now they're standing on their feet. They're alive. They're an army. Jeremiah de de describes that day. He says, They shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Rabbi Paul said in Romans 11, 26a, And so all Israel will be saved. And so he says, There's an acharit. God told Jeremiah, I know the plans that I have for you, for shalom and not for ra'ah, to give you an acharit. <laughs> With God, there's always an acharit and afterward. An acharit and the tikva, a hope. In the Bible, the concept of hope is different from our idea. We think of hope as I'm just clinging to some possibility, pie in the sky. But with hope, hope is almost like faith. Faith is clinging. Uh, 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 hope is, is holding on. It's almost faith. Faith is I can see it. Hope is I know it's coming. To give you a future and a hope. Where does that hope come from? It comes from the promise of God. It comes from the promise of God. They were in Babylon when Jeremiah spoke those words. But he said, you've got my word. I'm bring, going to bring you home. And he did it. 
just like I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. They stood on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones of the whole house of Israel, they say, our bones are dried up, our hope is perished, we are cut off by ourselves. Therefore prophesy, Hinaveh, and say to them, Thus says Adonai Elohim, Behold, I will open your graves. <laughs> I will open your graves. I've done enough memorial. Uh, uh, my, uh, I, I, I did a service for my doctor a few, a few weeks ago. A friend, Jew, Jew, Jewish believer. She was the daughter of a survivor of Dachau, the, the m- mother was uh, a member of the Haganah and the Palmach and real, real hero. I did her memorial service too. I did Margot's. Um, but, you know, she was lowered into the grave. But God's talking about, bringing, about opening up and bringing people out. God raises the dead. He raises the dead, not just of individuals. He raised Lazarus. He raised Yeshua himself came out of the grave. Someday those of us who believe in Messiah will hear his voice and we'll all come out of our graves. Hopefully it'll be soon and you won't ever get into your grave. But if you have, God's got a plan to get you out. But here he's talking about the nation of Israel. Everybody was saying they're dead. There's no hope. And the people were saying it themselves. And many of our people, after the Holocaust and so on, are saying God has abandoned us. Our, our, hope, in, our ho- hope in God, our hope for a future is over. We can't count on God to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob anymore because so many of our leaders have have abandoned trusting in, in, the, in the inspiration of, of the Torah and the prophets. But God still speaks. As a matter of fact, you know, when um, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur t- took place, I, I knew that, uh, that there are times many of our people only go to shul on those days. Often rabbis who, who, who teach and who, who lead those, those services don't even believe in the inspiration of the Torah anymore. And yet I know that God still speaks through his word. He says, he says, as the rain and snow do not come forth from the heavens without fulfilling their purpose of giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so is my word which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void, but will accomplish everything that I, I have purposed for it to accomplish. And so my prayer was that God would continue to speak even when the people who read from the scrolls didn't believe it themselves. But our people often say, therefore, that our bones are dried up, our hope is perished, we are, completely, we are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says Adonai, behold, I will open your graves, I will bring you up out of your graves, my people, I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you will know Yadatem again. You will know and experience that I am Adonai when I have opened your graves and brought you out of your, your graves, my people. I will put my ruach in you and you will live. That's coming. I will pour out upon the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Zechariah 12.10, the spirit of grace and supplication 
and they will look upon me whom they have pierced and shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. You will live, I will place you in your own land, then you will know that I, Adonai, not just Ezekiel, he was told, be prophesied, receive the prophecy, and you will know that I, Adonai, have spoken and that I have done it. And so that's the reason these services are held every Friday night, every Saturday here. It's why the Bible studies are on Tuesday night. That's why the live stream is done. So our people need to know that God is alive. Many, even very famous Bible scholars, that so many years have passed, and God hasn't brought his people back to the land and so maybe we need to find a new meaning, a new understanding of the text. And long came replacement theology and all of that stuff. But, you know, the passage of time doesn't do anything to God. It doesn't cause him to lose his stuff at all. And, and so after it took 2,600 years, but on May 14, 1948, the state of Israel was reborn again, and God has preserved it again and again and will continue. But the best is yet to come. Someday Jerusalem will host that open house like the world has never seen before, and the nations will come from all over to sit at the feet of Yeshua HaMashiach himself and be taught about really how to live, how to live in that day. Isaiah 11 says, They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of Adonai as the waters cover the sea. And we need to tell our people that no matter what goes on, no matter what has happened in the world, no matter, way, no matter how things appear now, God's promise is firm. He has never abandoned his word and he has never abandoned his covenant, and he has never abandoned his people, and he will never abandon you. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, thank you for your promise. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these people, Lord, who have had the patience to listen to me all this time. Lord, I pray in Yeshua's name for our people. Cause them to know Messiah. Bring them to the knowledge of Mashiach. Oh, God, Lord, and bring them, bring the dry bones to life, fully alive, full of the breath of the living Spirit of God. We pray this, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethel family, please visit our website at www.bethalel.com. Dot org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 
770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom. Shalom.